Welcome to another Calvary Baltimore B-Side with our senior pastor, Josh Plantholt. B-Sides are a companion to the weekly sermon, giving an in-depth look behind the teaching. Now with running commentary to complement this week's sermon, here's Pastor Josh. Welcome to B-Sides. I rearranged my office again. Um, we ended up... Uh, I, I have like this ADD thing where I... I like get really bored with my working space, so I constantly am moving it around. Um, and uh, well, my my Nathan's in first grade, and he has a lot of homework for a first grader. Uh, and when we try to do it in, near his little brother, he like rips all the papers. He wants them all. Uh, so me and uh, my Nathan have been coming down to my office to do um, to do his homework. Well, the desk that I'm using, uh, I have two screens here. Uh, the desk that I'm using has, you know, key, uh, a laptop on it, has all sorts of stuff. I mean, a keyboard and stuff. So I ended up putting a whole nother table <laughs> in here. So we're all switched around, but I think so far I'm happy with it. So uh, you didn't need to know any of that, but I just was excited and wanted to tell you. Anyways, uh, welcome to B-Sides. We are in Revelation chapter 12. <clears throat> Today's going to be a little bit different. Um, it's going to be a very visual episode. So for those of you uh, maybe listening to a CD or online, uh, I would I would encourage you to uh, check out the video portion uh, of this uh, teaching as I, I think it'll be very helpful for you. Um, and then at the very end of uh, looking at the structure of Revelation 12, uh, I have a little something I wanted to share, a little footnote to Sunday's teaching that um, the Lord put on my heart. So uh, today we're, we're going to look at the structure of Revelation chapter 12, and I am so excited about this. I am so excited. Okay, here we are, Revelation 12. <laughs> um Today's passage, Revelation 12, is structured in an ABA uh, column. I know this is a little grainy. I'll zoom in in a second. Uh, but we have Revelation chapter 12, and the, the chapter 12 is sectioned into three separate parts. We have an A, a B, and an A. Uh, the first section, part 1, is verses 1 through 6 verses 7 through 12 and verses 13 through 17 those are our three big sections here <clears throat> and I, I want to show you some of the parallels here uh, and how they, they work together and then I really want to show um, I'll show you how it is even cooler so we have a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon, under her feet, and on her head was a crown of 12 stars. And that's in verse 1 of our first A. Uh, if we look all the way down and our second A in verse 14, the woman was given, she was clothed with two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly. So we see God's provision there. Uh, we see uh, in verse 4 of our first A, and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that uh, when she bore the, her child, he might devour it. Um, 
And here we see the dragon had poured fire from out of his mouth in verse 16. So the two A's are, are constantly, the first section and the second section, are, are starting to have lots of parallels here. Then we see in verse 6 of our first day, the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Uh oh, as we get to our second um a and verse 14 from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time times and half a time so we have two sections of um we, we have two sections <sighs> of the mouth of the dragon being highlighted god's provision and clothing being highlighted uh we have the woman we have the exact same time frame three and a half years highlighted and and the point is verses one through six our first a's first section is about the dragon pursuing the child our, our second A, our corresponding section, the third section, uh, is, uh, verses 13 through 17, is the dragon pursues the woman, not the child, pursues the woman and those who hold the testimony of Jesus. So those who are associated with the child. The focal point being verses 7 through 12, uh, where the dragon is defeated and heaven rejoices. So that's how this whole thing, it places verses 7 through through 12 as the focal point because we have two bookends on either side of it uh, that are saying, having very similar themes, placing the unique one in, in, in the center there. And, and the focal point of this, as we look at the broader picture here, is the story of Satan's defeat and Satan being kicked out of heaven. Now, this is cool. This is really cool. This is really fascinating. I hope hope this is something you like too, but it gets so much better. I feel like Oprah. Wait, there's more. <laughs> I want you to see that there are three sections. There's an ABA, of course. ABA. Um but all three sections are their own individual chiasms. So what we have, we have three sections that form a large chiasm, and then all three sections are structured in a chiastic structure. So there's layers and layers and layers of parallelism and orchestration and points of meaning and emphasis. And if we didn't look at the literary structure, if we didn't look at the structure uh, of this chapter, we'd miss all of this. We wouldn't, we, we would find things that interest us. We wouldn't necessarily see what God was underlining, what he was pointing at as this is where I want the focus to be on this. So um, if we're going to be, especially me as a preacher, uh, if I'm going to be as biblically faithful as possible, I need to put, I don't need to major in minors <laughs> and put all the emphasis on some obscure part that I find interesting. The best thing that I can do is put the emphasis where God wants the emphasis to be. Uh, and that's why these, these chiasms are so helpful. And that's why I'm showing them to you so that as you do your own devotions, you can start to pick up on all these things. Uh, so I want to look at this. I think it's very, very helpful here. Um, our, our first section, and that it's the first A, um, uh, we have an ABA structure in ver from verses 1 to verse 6. 
And what we have, and I'll read it, and a, and a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant, and the crying out in birth pains and in the agony of giving birth. Um, and then we have the second A. So if we have an A and an A, they should correspond to each other, parallel each other in, in, in either word or theme. Verse 5, she gave birth to the male child. Aha, there's the child. Uh, one who is to rule the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, in which she will be nourished for 1,260 days. So what we have in our two A's, we have a child coming, and then we have a child born. And as soon as the child's born, he ascends, placing the focal point in the B here, verses 3 and verse 4. Uh, and another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten hordes, and on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore uh, her child, he might devour it. So the dragon, here's the point. The child's coming. The child is born and ascended. And the dragon wants the child dead. That's the focal point of our verses 1 through 6. The dragon wants the child dead. Then we go to our second A. Remember verses 13 through 17. And uh, whenever there's chiasms, sometimes there's an ABA structure. Sometimes there's an ABCBA structure. And that's called uh, inverted ring parallelism. Uh, and, and that's where everything points to a middle. But there's also something called step parallelism. And you'll get ABAB. And it, it's like a little step. <laughs> uh, and the A's work together and the B's work together. And it doesn't necessarily create a singular folk uh, point of emphasis. But uh, there are themes that then are then building upon each other based upon the structure. So this is another way that we can kind of see where God's drawing from and emphasizing and how things work together. So I want to show you uh, verses 13 through um, 17 here. Uh, notice we have an A, we have a B, we have an A, we have a B, and then a conclusion. And, and this is helpful because sometimes leading up to chiasms, you have an introduction or you have a conclusion that's a a part of of the chiasm, but it's also sometimes a part from the chiasm. So it's a part of it, but it's a part <laughs> uh, from it. It's to be included, but excluded. It's somewhere in between. It's an introduction or a conclusion. Uh, so like right now, we're going through uh, the Sermon on the Mount on our Monday night Bible studies. And in the Sermon on the Mount, there are nine Beatitudes. Uh, eight of the Beatitudes are in perfect harmony with each other. The ninth one kind of seems a, a little uh, separated from it when we look at the structure, but then we realize that within the ninth one, it's a conclusionary Beatitude that encapsulates all the other eights within it. So it kind of summarizes and elevator pitches the first eight Beatitudes. So it's a part of the Beatitudes, yet it's separate from the Beatitudes. It's it's a it's it's more of a conclusion Beatitude. Well, we're seeing that here today in Revelation 12. <clears throat> 
Uh, so what we have is we have A, verse 13. And remember, remember, this is all part of this grouping, the second A here, verses 13 through 17. And these two should be working together, as I already showed, how the dragon pursues the child and the dragon pursues the woman and those who are associated with the child. So here we go, verses 13 through 17. And the dragon saw that the child had been thrown down to earth, and he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. Let's read the other A, verse 15. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman uh, to, pursue, to sweep her away with the flood. I want you to notice that the dragon is pursuing and the, and the dragon in the first day and the second day, verse 15, the serpent is, is pursuing the woman with the river out of his mouth. So he's pursuing twice here in this passage in, in the first day and the second day. And what we have is the dragon pursues the woman in both. And so we're, we're to see that these two work together. And they'll, the, the bees, verse 14. But the woman who was given the two wings of the great eagle, uh, great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time, times, and a half a time. The second bee here. But the, but the earth came uh, to the help of the woman. <clears throat> and the earth uh, opened its mouth by swallowing the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. We see the woman, uh, the God's provision that God gave the, the woman two wings. God nourished the woman in verse 14, the, the first bee. So God saves the woman. In the second bee, we see that God opens the mouth of the earth and saves the woman. Uh, so again... The woman is saved by God, both supernaturally, might I add, uh, is how those two build together. And then the conclusion, verse 17, Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her offspring, with those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. The dragon moves on to the new victim, a new strategy. That's how this portion ends. Now, the focal point, if again... Again, we want to remember the focal point of chapter 12 is this B, verses 7 through 12. Through 12. This is the focal point of chapter 12. Well, interesting. Chapter 12 is built into a chiastic structure itself, and it has an A, B, C, B, a structure followed by a conclusion. So, really interesting, as we look at all of Revelation chapter 12, we see that the focal point, the focal uh, section, has its own focal point. So, in many ways, what we can say is C, verse 10, we'll get to that in a second, is the singular focal point of all of chapter 12. This is the emphasis of emphases in emphases in, in uh, Revelation chapter 12. So, let's read it. Uh, first A, uh, verse 7. Now, war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. Yes and amen. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. Now, let's go to the second A. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. So we see that Satan was defeated by 
the angels and by Michael. And here we see in the second A, they, who we know to be the saints, have conquered. So Satan's defeated twice here by uh, him, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives unto death. So the dragon fights with Michael and the angels and loses. And then in our second A, the dragon fights with the saints and loses. Awesome. The second B here, verse 9, and the drag, a great dragon was thrown down that the ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, uh, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. The second B, for the accuser, oh, here we go, we have devil, the devil, and Satan. Satan means the uh, 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 accuser or opposer. The devil seems to be uh, much of a tempter, an accuser there too. Uh, and so that very much is in line with the accuser here. Uh, and of course, Satan is the deceiver of the whole world. And here he is the accuser of the brethren. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night. Uh, uh, before our God. So what we see in this in the bees here is that the dragon and his angels are thrown down. And here we see that the dragon is thrown down uh, for the saints. So Satan's kicked out of heaven. Satan's uh, heaven is now cleansed. And then, of course, uh, the the saints take part in the throwing down of um, the serpent. Uh, we'll get the let's we'll do verse ten last since it's the, the important one. Let's uh, look at the conclusion. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, uh, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Now, that's the conclusion to the this section. I want to look at the focal point. And you could look at this on your own Bible if you have one, or you could just listen. <clears throat> Verse 10 is the focal point of the entire chapter. So there are, remember, three sections. The section A and B, or the, the one and three, they parallel. B is in the center is the focal point. And then as we look at B, that's building points of emphasis to a singular spear tip, so to speak. Uh, and so that, that this is what verse 10 is. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come down down that's it that's it as we look at satan pursuing the dragon as we look at satan trying to pour water out of his mouth and consume the woman and as we look at michael having of this hundreds of millions of angels and demons battling in heaven as we look at all of this comings and goings and preparing and a child being born and snatched away and a dragon knocking stars out of the sky. At the very focal point of all of this is the Father is exalted. And he's exalted in three ways. He's exalted for his salvation. He's exalted for his power. And he's, and he's exalted for his kingdom.
So these are the three things as we look at God's sovereignty, his plans to overthrow evil for the good of heaven and the angels and the church and for his glory is that is the is the cell is God deserves praise for his salvation. He has overcome the dragon in this way. We are to glorify God in, in, in his power that he could overcome Satan. And we are to praise God for his kingdom. His kingdom. The kingdom of our God. That his kingdom is a kingdom without end. If we remember, if we remember, uh, the, the promised child in our first few verses was that he would be born with a rod of iron. What's that referencing to? That's referencing Psalm chapter 2. That, uh, behold, I've placed my son on Zion, my holy hill, and he will reign. Kiss the son, lest you perish on the way. But what we see is a kingdom without end in Psalm 2. And here it is, it has come, Satan defeated. And so heaven rejoices in God's kingdom as we should rejoice in God's kingdom. Which is why this whole thing structured this way, so that we could enter into that praise for God's salvation and power and kingdom, specifically as it has overcome the kingdom of darkness. That's what the spear tip to all of chapter 12 is pointing to. And I want you to notice, we, we, we've been seeing chiasms and threes specifically uh, and conclusion points well i want you to notice the father has three things attributed to him here and the son gets one so it's a three plus one uh now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our god god gets three there and the authority of his christ and i want you to see the his there um again this is all pointing the emphasis towards the father um but and the authority of his Christ has come and now we're seeing that the authority of this child the child is the one to rule not the serpent and heaven rejoices do you see and this is why these structures I, I know sometimes I mean to me they're fascinating but I know some people they check out maybe not so interesting but this is God's word And he has written it so perfectly and masterfully that if we just give it time and pour our lives into it, it will yield without end like a well that never runs out of water. No matter how much we scoop, it just keeps coming. Uh, and and again, I, I think these these structures here are so important, so that way we can start to meditate on what God wants us to meditate on. Now we could say, yes, God wants us to meditate on the whole Bible. So what are you saying? Oh, okay. You know, for example, Jesus quoted the Psalms more than any other book in the Old Testament, and he did that because he wants his people uh, to be rooted in the Psalms. There's a reason every time Jesus didn't preach, he went through Levitical law or the genealogies or numer or, or the book of Numbers. There's a reason he's constantly drawing from the Psalms. Again, there, there are points of emphasis, uh, even within the scriptures, all of it's infallible, all of it's perfect, all of it's the word of God. Um, 
But there are certainly things that God says, hey, look at this. <laughs> look at this. And here we see as we as we give time to the structure, it yields and it yields powerfully. Um, <clears throat> uh, one more thing before we go. This Sunday, uh, I was preaching and I realized we were running out of time. It was... Um, I don't know how long the actual teaching was, but I could feel like, ugh. as I looked at my, my watch, I went, this is starting to run over a little bit, and these seats are far too uncomfortable for people <laughs> to have them sitting real long. Uh, so while I was preaching, I actually cut out a section of the sermon uh, that I really felt was important, but at the time, I uh, I think rightfully so, felt that um, it was a side road we, we, we shouldn't have gone down at that moment. Just because God was giving me so many things while I was preaching, uh, side roads to go down that I think I should have explored and I did explore. Um, and so this was something that I, I felt was a necessary sacrifice. Uh, but I want to I want to I want to share it here. And so it's a little footnote to Sunday's message on dragon slaying. And of course, I was talking all about uh, you know God rewards the dragon slayer and calls us to be dragon slayers and that that two-pronged approach there were those who laid down their lives uh who love their life not even unto death uh and it was those who conquered by the blood of the lamb of course that is uh the context there is they're willing to lay down their lives like the lamb and we have those by the word of their testimony and again the testimony is in part um by us not loving our lives even unto death, that we're willing to say the truth even if it costs us everything. Um, and so I, I, I talked a lot about dragon slang, but one of the things I think, I think there's some pastoral uh, care involved in this that uh, I, I want us to be aware of. Uh, so, for example, uh, if there was a dragon in my driveway <laughs> at my house, and wanted uh, he wanted to burn my house down. Uh, I would not wake up my six-year-old to go stop him. <laughs> I would grab my gun, and the battle would be on, and I would probably die. But you know, as his father, that's my job. I'm his daddy. I'm to fight the dragons, not the, not the six-year-old. There's a reason we don't send toddlers to war. We send grown-ups. Well, Paul tells us in the opening verses of 1 Corinthians 3 that born-again believers are spiritual babes. That those who first convert to, to Christianity, Jesus even says something similar in John three, that we, in order to enter into to see the kingdom, uh, enter into the kingdom, we need to be born again. Let's become a little baby. And what do little babies drink? They drink milk, which Paul talks about in First Corinthians three. But then Paul, and that's okay, and that's good. That's that's a good thing. Okay, but. Paul goes on to be very frustrated with the church in Corinth because years later, he saw that they were still only drinking spiritual milk. They never moved past the basics. They never seemed to apply properly. And Paul was frustrated because he expected them to grow and learn and to eat solid food. So 
there's an element, there's an element here that there is a time in every believer's walk to where they are not fit for dragon slaying. Where they are not grown enough for these things. When someone is born again, it, it, you know, it's, it's almost... It can almost seem foreign when someone first comes to faith in Jesus Christ to think about becoming of no reputation or to lay down their lives for Jesus or to go out and fight the culture. Uh, typically, because they just haven't spent enough time in the Word <laughs> to fully understand how holy God is. I mean, as we spend time in His Word, we come to an awareness of His holiness and our unholiness. Our unworth, His worth and our unworth. Uh, and, and new believers, you know, they, they might have zeal and raw emotion for days, but they they can't fully articulate their position. You know, you'll you'll find when you when you're having a heat, a discussion with someone, and if it gets heated, uh, typically the person who is less informed, um, they just end up getting louder, <laughs> or more. They they start appealing to emotion or victimhood. Uh, because they they can't fully articulate what they're trying to say, or or maybe their position is faulty to begin with, depending on what you're doing there. But uh, they they just haven't matured long enough. But there comes a time in every believer's life where we need to grow up, <laughs> and we need to eat, as Paul would say, meat. And, and you know, if there was ever a verse. In the scriptures that proved inerrancy, there it is. Uh, <laughs> we need to grow up and eat meat. Uh, but uh, <laughs> please hear me. You know, if if you're dealing with someone who's newly saved, uh, or you're dealing with someone who's come out of really bad teaching for a long time, you know they're going to need time. They're going to need time to study and grow. I mean, well, we see this in Acts chapter 2. Uh, you know, they caught fire and they were radically saved and they gave themselves to the teachings of the apostles. You know, immediately they needed to get their head in the word of God. But for every single believer, at some point we need to move from milk to meat because our teeth need to come in. <laughs> we, we, where we need to be matured into godly men and women who fight for the next generation and who fight for new believers, who oppose dragons, who stand in between the wolves and the sheep, who hold their ground against immense evils. And this is this is the maturity that needs to set in in the life of every believer. And so there's an element that we want to be gentle with people and understand that it's going to take some time. And, you know, sometimes you're dealing with people and they've grown up in such hell and chaos. And it takes a long time takes a long time for them to unlearn certain things and they got some rough edges and you know they've been smoking pot since they were eight and you know it just it takes time uh but then there's also people who have been going to church for 20 30 years and they're just stuck they like milk <laughs> 
and it's not good for them anymore. They, they need to grow up. And so there's a real balance there with between our own lives um, and, and, and in the lives as we're counseling and discipling others to encourage them to heavier things, to weightier things. Um, you know, and, and that's one of the things I'll, I'll ask people if they ask for a book recommendation. I, I say, you know, what, what level of reading are you, are you at? Uh, and th that always kind of shocks people because I'm talking to adults. Um, but there are layers and layers of spiritual maturity in Christian books. And a lot of books, unfortunately, a lot of books written now are, are written for people who drink milk. And maybe it's trying to get them to eat meat. I'm not saying it's not, but... Um, you know that that that's that can be frustrating if you're used to eating meat and every book you pick up it's you know goo goo gaga, <laughs> uh, and so again you know there's just a level of maturity that has to come upon a believer and something that we should not ever be content in we should keep striving to know God that's why we read our Bible what is this telling me about God how do I grow in this likeness. How do I mature in this and bear fruit for others in this uh, doctrine here? So, anyways, I love you guys. That's it. That's all we got. I hope the structure didn't bore you to death, if anyone's hanging on. But for me, it's fascinating. Uh, let's pray for the day. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We ask that you would be with us today. You would protect us today. You would guide us today. Um, and that you would use us mightily. We thank you for all things and all that you're doing. We love you, God. And in Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this Calvary Baltimore B-Side. If you'd like to get in touch or come visit us at Calvary Baltimore, our website is calvarychapelbaltimore.org. You can email us at calvary.faithlife at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you've been blessed by today's teaching and would like to donate to the work that God is doing through Calvary Baltimore, go to our website at calvarychapelbaltimore.org and click Donate Now. Until next time, as Pastor Josh says, study the Word, to live the Word, to share the Word. And join us again for the next Calvary Baltimore B-Side.